Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. All this month, we are revisiting your favorite programs from this past year. This week, Billy Crone exposes the subliminal seduction that is all around us. We'll hear from J.R. Church about the impending Armageddon Syndrome. And author Micah Van Hus will reveal the ancient cities and the gods who built them. Don't miss a moment of Watchmen on the Wall this week. Download our SWRC mobile app or subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. And friends, as you and your family prepare for Christmas, remember to check out all of the Bible-based and Christ-centered gifts that are available over at our website, swrc.com. With over 1,000 items, you can do your Christmas shopping and at the same time support Watchmen on the Wall. We have gifts from Israel, Christmas-themed movies, and a huge selection of books and DVDs. We also have gift subscriptions available for the Prophecy in the News magazine, swrc.com. Shop for friends and family and support the ministry and outreach of Watchmen on the Wall, swrc.com. Or call 1-800-652-1144. Who were the Nephilim? What really happened at the Tower of Babel? Where is Atlantis? Who are the Shining Ones? Are these questions relevant to our walk with God and our understanding of His creation? Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, welcomes Micah Van Hus to answer these important questions. People seem to have an inner urge to live in cities. Cities have been built since the most ancient of times. In Genesis 4, verse 17, we read, And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he builded a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. We're visiting with Micah Van Hus, who is the author of Ancient Cities and the Gods Who Built Them. Thank you, Micah, for being on the show with us. Thank you, Pastor Larry, for having me. I think one of the questions, I know when I looked at the title of your book and the front cover is awesome, I think, but the question that came to my mind is what got you interested in ancient cities and please tell us about the agencies of the gods in building them. My brother Clayton, many years ago, a couple decades ago, he pointed out to me something that we, that I was not taught in Sunday school, and that was Genesis chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, which talks about the reason that God chooses Noah to survive the flood. Now, in Sunday school growing up, I had always been taught that God chose Noah because he was a righteous man, and it is true. Genesis 6 says that Noah is righteous. But if you look at verses 8 and 9, it says, Noah was perfect in his generations. And if you read the verses before, where it talks about the Beneha Elohim, or the watchers, the angels, who sleep with women and have offspring with them, giants, mighty men of old, men of renown, that's only four verses before it says, and Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. In other words, Noah's bloodline, in my opinion, had not been tainted by that of the Beneha Elohim or their offspring, the Nephilim. And so I do believe that's why Noah was chosen. 
You know, when you get into the Nephilim in Genesis 6, 4 and related, I just see all kinds of things in this, like you do. Now, I know a lot of people poo-poo and so forth. I think there's the ancient understanding, and of course, the Septuagint, very ancient, translated the sons of God as angels. And that's what we believe, fallen angels, demonic angels. When I look at this passage, I think, wow, a flood. Okay, now there were a lot of times when godly people married ungodly people, mixed spiritual marriages. It even happens today, okay? But God didn't destroy the world by a flood. This must have been very, very evil, like genetic manipulation. And when I look at some of the things that's being done in the scientific laboratory today, a lot of this involves cloning. And I know in China, they've done some things that we would not permit in this country because they have no rules. We have, we, we don't have many rules, but do you think that this whole story of the giants, and I believe that there were giants and that there were later eruptions of giants, do you think that perhaps this is a taste of what the earth will see in the end times? And we're in the end times now. What are your thoughts on that, Micah? Genesis chapter 6 says that God's creation had become corrupt. Genesis 6 does not go into too much detail about what the watchers and their offspring, the Nephilim, were doing, but the book of Enoch does. I do not believe the book of Enoch is inspired. I believe that the 66 books that we have are the inspired word of God. I do believe that the book of Enoch is correct history after having studied it and read a number of books and spent a lot of time studying it. But the book of Enoch expounds on what the corrupt creation, what the Nephilim were doing to God's creation. They taught humans all kinds of forbidden knowledge from metal mixing to astronomy, astrology, mixing of herbs, alchemy, even abortion. The only time I can find in the Bible that the Bible talks about what the angels taught to mankind is Revelation chapter 21, verse 17. It says the man is measuring heaven in John's vision. And the man measures the walls, 144 cubits, the measurement of a man that is of the angels. So if you read Revelation 21, 17, it basically says that the angels taught the cubit to mankind. That's the only reference in the Bible I can find to what the book of Enoch is talking about on that point. What I like to do is, since I believe the Bible is inspired, I take it as foundation as solid, and then I use ancient artifacts, ancient cities, ancient studies, legends, books to try to fill in the blanks that are there. So let's try to do that with the Bible and the Book of Enoch. So the Watchers descended, had giants, offspring with human women. And then in the Book of Enoch, what happens is, in the Bible, God sends the flood. In the Book of Enoch, the flood has happened. God tells his archangels to go down to the earth. The bodies of the Nephilim are dead, but their spirits are walking around. So he says, bind them and cast them into the abyss, Tartarus, for 70 generations until the great day of judgment. Well, let's bring it full circle back to the Bible, First Peter chapter 3. Jesus dies on the cross. He's in the ground for three days. It says he is in his spirit form in First Peter chapter 3. The first thing that Jesus does when his body is dead is he goes into the abyss and ministers to the spirits that made troubles in the days of Noah. Goes into the prison in the abyss. Jude chapter 1 verse 6 also says, The angels which kept not their first estate, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. So that, to me, is a full circle from the Bible and the book of Enoch filling in some of those blanks, and it's fascinating to study. Now, when we get to talking about today's genetic modification and how can the Nephilim, is, are they going to be coming back? Well, first of all, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the day of the Son of Man. Genesis says there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. The book of Enoch says something very fascinating in the first three verses of the entire book. It says, in so many words, it says, you're not going to understand what you read in this book. 
This book is for the last generation, the generation of the tribulation. Now, does that mean God has closed everybody's eyes when they read, or does that mean that some of the things that are going on in the book of Enoch, the last generation sees in their own eyes, and so they understand the book of Enoch? Another thing, after mankind could no longer sustain the giants in the book of Enoch, then the giants began to eat man and drink his blood and sin against the animals. I do believe that that was most likely genetic modification, modifying human DNA, animal DNA, modifying God's creation and corrupting it. If you look at the ancient Egyptian gods, what are they? They're half human, half animals. If you look at the ancient Greek gods, they're superhumans, humans with superpowers. It's fascinating to think how that all fills in the blanks. On the end times, the image of the Antichrist, he stands in the book of Revelation, he stands in the temple, he knows, he's intelligent, he knows who is worshiping truly the Antichrist and who isn't. He doesn't appear to have a soul. Is that some sort of clone, some sort of genetic modification? We've got articles from all kinds of news sources, Yahoo, Fox News, videos about the genetic modification that China has done with human and monkey embryos. And of course, if that makes it to the news, what is not making it to the news? doesn't necessarily have to be China. It could be even us. I think this is fascinating. First of all, about the book of Enoch, you and I know of, maybe know personally, Dr. Michael Heiser, and he talks a lot about the book of Enoch. And the first time I interviewed him, I said, well, do you believe that this should be canonic? And he said, absolutely not. So I know because every once in a while, well, are you saying the Apocrypha should be in the Bible? And no, we don't hold to that. However, Dr. Heiser did point out that the apostles, you know, early Christians were familiar with it. And there's so many amazing parallels between the Bible, Genesis 6 and other passages, and the book of Enoch, I believe, First Enoch chapter 6, if I'm not mistaken, that this is significant because even when we're talking, we're talking about current events. We know what's going on in our world. And so the apostles and the early Christians knew what was going on in their world and especially in what they considered sacred literature. Now, just because they quote from Enoch doesn't mean they're, they're saying that the whole book should be in the Bible, but what they quote is they've been led by the Holy Spirit of inspiration. That part that they quote is true and invalid. And then you also pointed out about connecting the dots. I'm fascinated with connecting the dots. You know, I believe that as we get closer and closer to the end, and I'm not the only one, probably you believe as well, we're going to start to understand the book of Revelation and other eschatological speeches and issues much more clearly simply because, oh, that's what it means, you know? It's kind of like so much of what's in the book of Revelation 200 years ago had to be allegorized. But now when it says that the two witnesses will be visible to the whole world in the streets of Jerusalem, we can see that now. Do you ever hear of CNN or whatever, satellite TV? So I think the work that you're doing is very, very important. Mike, I think you're right. You have a passion for opening up these things because, like I say, we are in the last days, probably the very end of the last days. And I think the more we understand things like this and connect the dots based on the information that we have, we will be able to respond much more accurately and in a way that glorifies our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you just mentioned about the knowledge of the authors from 2,000 years ago, how they said that the whole world would watch these two prophets get stoned to death. You know, 2,000 years ago, you know, people are like, oh, I guess the whole world will be in Jerusalem. They'll be watching it. No, we know what that means through the internet, through television. There's other fascinating things in the book of Revelation. One of the beasts is described as having a human head, a grasshopper body, a scorpion tail, and the wing. The uh, sound of its wings was as a thousand chariots. Well, that to me sounds a whole lot like a helicopter with the pilot's head, the grasshopper 
separate body, the scorpion tail, and the wings being as a thousand rushing chariots. Uh, there's all kinds of things that were written about thousands of years ago that these authors, just their human minds alone, would not have conceived, but God knew what he was doing. Backing up just a second, you talked about the Book of Enoch. Should it be canon? Should it not? No, I don't think it should be. Again, I don't take it as inspired. Christ is the central point of the Bible. Christ is the central point of history, and we do have what we need to have to know Christ as our personal Savior. So we don't need to lose sight of that fact. Now, I would much rather study the mysteries of the Bible than go talk about the latest football game. I think if God chose to put it in his word, which these giants, these watchers are in God's word, I think it's an awesome study and a worthy study if God chose to put it in his word. There are other points in the Bible where watchers are mentioned. Daniel chapter 4 mentions it three times in Daniel chapter 4 about a watcher from heaven along with the holy ones. And you mentioned Dr. Michael Heiser. I have recently discovered Dr. Michael Heiser, and I've, I've been fascinated with his studies. And one of his studies that I really, really sounded interesting to me, so I've started to study a little bit more, is Job chapter 2. There's a couple things in Job chapter 2 that are very pertinent to what we're talking about. First of all, it's the watcher that's in Job chapter 2, in my opinion. Also, the fact that the B'nai Elohim are in heaven meeting with God. So a lot of folks will say, well, the B'nai Elohim are just the godly sons of Seth that come into the daughters of men and have children and have giants. That doesn't explain the giants. But in Job chapter 2, the B'nai Elohim meet with God in heaven, and Satan walks among them from the stories we've been told. So Dr. Michael Heiser pointed out that Satan here is probably not who we know as Satan. It's probably an angel with the title of the Shaitan. There are a few instances in the Bible where there's one where King David is called they translate it to adversary, but it's the same word, Shaitan. The Philistines call David the Shaitan. The angel of the Lord is called the Shaitan, I think, in the book of Numbers, but in the Old Testament. The Shaitan is an adversary, someone who stands in the way of. That's why we call the devil Satan. But in numerous places in the Bible, it's not Satan. It's just an adversary. So I think that Job chapter 2, this is probably an angel who stands in the way. He is a Shaitan, and he is a watcher, in my opinion. He's a watcher that is set to the earth for a number of different things, but one of the things is to accuse rich people. Job was a very wealthy man. Maybe not accuse or maybe just test to see if God is truly their God rather than their wealth. So I would say if you are a wealthy person today, be careful. There might just be a watcher, a shaitan, who has been assigned to make sure that your love is still with God and with your wealth. So a fascinating study, and it's yeah. been fun to do. Well, friends, I want to point out that there are already four episodes of this book on one DVD. We are planning more, but the four episodes on one DVD are available. So you've got the book and you've also got the DVD. Lots of fascinating material. We're going to be talking about some more fascinating material. For example, let's get into the matter of Atlantis. Micah, contrary to widespread belief, the story of Atlantis is not a Greek story, but an Egyptian one. Today, the only record we have of Atlantis we find in the Critias and Timaeus by Plato. Plato heard of this story from his uncle Critias, who heard it from his grandfather, Critias, who heard it from his father, Dropides, who heard it from his friend, Solon who heard it from an Egyptian priest. Wow, I never knew that. I knew something about Atlantis. Tell us about the significance of this, because I think it is very significant. It's talking about something in the ancient world that was well-known and very widespread. So at the time Plato heard of the city of Atlantis, the destruction of Atlantis was 9,000 years old by then. And again, it was passed down, 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 all the way from Sanchez of Sai, an Egyptian priest who found it on inscriptions. So it's sort of like 
maybe 9,000 years from now, someone finds a VHS copy of Star Wars and says, holy cow, they really blew up a planet back then. Or if they watch the Disney version, they'd say, man, they really made bad movies back then. So it is an Egyptian story. There are archaeologists who have said they have found the inscriptions in Egypt at Edfu on a tomb. That's not confirmed, but it's fascinating. They could be. Some of the interesting parts of it is, first of all, let's say that the way this story starts out is that the gods divided the world among themselves. And that is one of the few parallels we have from the Bible to the story of Atlantis. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8, you'll notice that after the Tower of Babel, God confounds the language, and he, according to Deuteronomy 32, 8, he divides the world into 70 nations. He chooses Israel for himself at that point, Abram. And in my opinion, he gives the other 69 nations to the Beneha Elohim. King James doesn't say who he gave it to. He just says he gave it according to the number of the children of Israel. 70 is the number of Jacob's household that went to see Joseph in Egypt. The Greek Septuagint says that God gave the nations, the other six nine, to the Agalantheo, which is the angels of God. And the Dead Sea Scrolls say that God gave the other six nine nations to the Beneha Elohim, which are the angelic sons of God. That's a fascinating parallel from Atlantis. The only other parallel with Atlantis is the destruction, possibly a global flood. The time frame of it matches with the younger, driest climate catastrophe, which I do not believe the scientific explanation for the time, which was 11,600 years ago. The timeline I agree with is probably more along the lines of the Greek Septuagint of roughly a 7,500-year Earth. But Atlantis was destroyed with water, contrary to popular belief. I think it was a Disney movie that made the idea of Atlantis being underwater. I think actually the Atlantis is the reshot structure. I think it's the destroyed city of Atlantis in the northwestern Sahara Desert. Now, I cannot describe and do it justice, the reshot structure. So if you Google, if you're listening and you Google the eye of the Sahara or the reshot structure and zoom in on it, you'll see this amazing structure that fits Plato's description of the city of Atlantis extremely well, not to mention Herodotus drew a map in 430 BC that has the word Atlantis in the northwest section of Africa. Also, Atlas was Poseidon's first son, set of twins. Atlas was the first king of Atlantis, and the reshot structure is in the Atlas Mountains. So take a look at that. It's fascinating stuff. Yes. We want to get to that, but before we directly leave this chapter on Atlantis, you say that the citizens of Atlantis were... According to the story by Plato, God and human hybrids. Poseidon, as you mentioned, was a god, and his wife Clito was a mortal woman. So here again, well, you point out it's synonymous with the story we find in Genesis chapter 6 and in the book of Enoch. So this whole idea, it's kind of like the ancient world and all of the creation stories. There are many parallels with Genesis. Now, they're probably polytheistic, not monotheistic. But the fact is that there's some kind of a basic root to these things, and we would have to be going against logic to say, I don't believe any of it. Absolutely. And these numbers are coming from the back of my brain from a few years ago. But there are over 680 ancient cultures. We're talking about the story of Atlantis. We're talking about the Celtic culture. We're talking about stories from around the world. Over 680 of those cultures say that the earth was destroyed by a flood. 270, some of those say, the reason for that flood was that the one god had become angry with the many gods. It's just intertwined in the earth's history outside of the Bible even. It's just intertwined in everything. So to just dismiss it, I think, is unwise because so much of our history and culture point to that. Micah, thank you so much for your research. We have another program coming up. Are you available to do a second program? I am, Pastor Larry. I'm looking forward to it. Well, we've got to get to the Reshat structure. I think we were just speaking about it. You've got a picture of it in the book. I am fascinated with two things about your book. 
It's very easy to read. You don't have to be an archaeologist or anything of the sort or a scientist, but it's jam-packed with information, historical as well as biblical. So, friends, I want to really encourage you. Remember, we do have four episodes on one DVD available. The book is Ancient Cities and the Gods Who Built Them. We have much more on the ancient cities and the gods who built them on our next program. Today, we're excited to feature Micah Van Hus's book and DVD, Ancient Cities and the Gods Who Built Them. Ancient Cities and the Gods Who Built Them takes an uncomfortable look at the days of Noah and many other topics so that we can be ready for our Savior's return. Topics that God chose to include in His Word are worth taking the time to study. Ancient Cities looks at the antediluvian world from a solid biblical foundation. Why are the stories of giants scattered throughout Scripture as well as our world today? What parallels do we find between the Bible and ancient Greek mythology? Ancient Cities studies Mount Olympus and the Greek gods whose tales shape our culture today. Order your copy of Ancient Cities and the Gods Who Built Them, book and DVD, when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. And just in time for Christmas, we have a limited supply of Ancient Cities puzzles. Spend hours of quality time putting together this Ancient Cities and the Gods Who Built Them puzzle. Order today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. As you and your family prepare for Christmas, I wanted to share some gift ideas with you. Watchman on the Wall has over 1,000 items available right now on our website. Books, DVDs, special items from the Holy Land, and of course, a lot of special Christmas-themed items. A couple of things for you to consider is the book entitled A Classic Christmas. A Classic Christmas is a collection of First Advent devotionals, stories, recipes, and ideas holiday ideas for the entire family. Another great Christmas-themed book is entitled The Nativity, How the Story of Christmas Can Change Your Life. This is an excellent book, and you can get both A Classic Christmas and The Nativity for a special price when you buy them together. All the different Christmas gift ideas that we're talking about today, you can order when you call 1-800-652-1144. And I would really encourage you, don't delay. Put your order in either on the 800 number or at our website, swrc.com, and put that order in today so that you can get it in time for Christmas. Now, not only Christmas-themed books that we have at swrc.com, but we also have a collection of outstanding Christmas movies. All of these movies are family-friendly, and they are all proclaiming the good news of Christ's birth. Listen to these three titles, Goodwill to Men, Born in a Stable, and the most recent movie, The Brothers Christmas. 
you can get all three of these excellent Christmas movies on DVD, again, for a special Christmas price. Just call 1-800-652-1144. And I can speak from personal experience on these movies. On two of the three, I helped in the filming and the producing of those movies, and they are top-notch, and they all have a wonderful, wonderful message. From some of the wonderful and really unique gifts that we have available from the country and the land of Israel include the ram's horn shofar, as talked about in Scripture. We also are excited to have available this year olive wood crosses. These are authentic olive wood crosses from Israel, and we have them in two different sizes available for you. Also, we have special anointing oils from Jerusalem, frankincense and myrrh. Sorry, no gold, but we do have the oils of frankincense and myrrh, and this oil is from Jerusalem, and it is available as well when you visit our website, swrc.com, or simply call and order today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Two other really unique gift ideas from Israel that I want to tell you about today is the Widow's Mite. This is the Widow's Mite coin that has been authenticated and dated back to Bible times, to the time of Jesus. We have two different styles or two different versions. One is just the Widow's Mite coin from Israel as a standalone coin, and the other is the Widow's Mite pendant, where the Widow's Mite coin has been set in a silver pendant circle shape with a chain necklace. Both of those are excellent, really unique gifts from Bible times and from the country of Israel. Speaking of Israel, we also have the illuminated Torah is available, and we also have more information about other outstanding Christmas items, all when you give us a call. The number one 800 We have Christmas-themed color and activity books for the grandkids. We have a special CD of Christmas piano music. And it's been very popular the last few years, the Christmas Delights Christmas Cookbook. It's a faith-filled, family-favorite holiday cookbook. It's called Christmas Delights, the Christmas Cookbook, and that is also available. All of these wonderful items available on our website and also by calling 1-800-652-1144. And remember, whenever you purchase anything that we've talked about today or anything that's on our website, whenever you purchase a resource or a gift from Southwest Radio Ministries, you are supporting the work and ministry of Watchmen on the Wall. So thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends. We appreciate that so very much. So you can do all your Christmas shopping and support the ministry of Southwest Radio Church. How great is that? SWRC.com, or just simply call 1-800-652-1144. This year's SWRC Prophecy Calendar is here and ready to ship. This year's calendar is based on the book and television series, Jewish Roots of Christianity, a 16-month calendar that features all major biblical, Jewish, and Israeli holidays, plus U.S. holidays. Each day contains scripture references to help you read through the Bible in a year, and the calendar is full of gorgeous photos and artwork. Part of the proceeds from each calendar go to the Onesimus Prison Ministry. When you order a calendar, a calendar is also sent to a prisoner. 
Order the 16-month Jewish Roots of Christianity calendar today. 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, we have more insight from Micah Van Hus on ancient cities and the gods who built them. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by simply subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit swrc.com.